And if you have your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 1. And before we jump into that passage, I, I just want to encourage you um, to be here next week. Um, this will be, next week will be our last time together as, as pastor and faith family. Um, so have a special message prepared for that. So I'd really encourage you and reach out to our other Rocky Mount Baptist family and maybe those who are regular attenders and invite them to come as well. But before we get into the text, one of the things that the Lord laid on my heart when we were pretty sure that this was going to go through, um, once we announced it, I've been trying to reach out to as many people as I know that are connected with us, that I've shared the gospel with, and that many of you have shared the gospel with, but as of yet, they have not kneeled the knee to King Jesus. There's been something there that's been holding them back from complete repentance and giving their lives to Christ and being saved. And so before we jump into this passage, I want to encourage you, I plead with you, that if you've not been saved, trust Christ today. Okay, this has nothing to do with Jeff transitioning to a different assignment. Has to do with today is the day of salvation and God has allowed me to be with you, us to be together and to preach from the Bible to say you need to be saved and Jesus Christ is a magnificent Savior. Something I would also encourage you to do is that as Lee has mentioned during these um, these next few months of transition there, I just felt led to share a little bit of what I've talked to our leaders about. And there are tremendous resources within our, our state convention. And I know for, for many, convention is a very boring word. And there are many conventions that are tremendously boring. But the group that you as a faith family have chosen to connect with as of three or four years ago is a group that has pulled away from a convention that has refused to say we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. In Virginia, the group that you are associated with and do missions with is a group who says, you know what, not only do we believe the Bible, but we're not going to be ashamed about it, and we're going to go so far as to say that God loves the family and to let people know, um, people who are struggling with gender identity, to say there is hope in Jesus Christ. All along the political spectrum, we, we use that word very loosely um, to deal with issues of abortion to say that God loves children and there is grace within Jesus Christ for those who have had an abortion. There is forgiveness in Christ. The other group was unwilling to do that. So what I'm saying is that as a faith family, you have tremendous resources at your, at your hands. People who know about Rocky Mount Baptist Church, and I don't know if, if many of you know this, but... Um, I believe it was last year the state convention actually did a story on Rocky Mount Baptist Church that went out through the SBC Proclaimer to all of these hundreds of churches throughout Virginia describing what God has done here. And so the reason why I explain that to you is to say that there are people who know the church animal well. All right? They know every nook and cranny and they are wanting to be here as a helping hand to, you, to, be, to assist Rocky Mount Baptist Church in this process. So I want you to know that Rocky Mount Baptist Church is not just being dropped. You've got tremendous deacons. Many of those deacons would be biblically qualified even to be elders. And if you've studied that, that's a big deal. It's very rare deacon ministry team that we have right now. 
I've never served one with the current group. Never in my life. Can teach. Be good with people. They understand what's going on. As the Bible says, there are wise men who understood the times. As we'll talk about today and next week, I believe many times preachers get far more blame or praise than they deserve. And the people that God has raised up, the men and women from Rocky Mount Baptist Church that are leading powerful ministries that are impacting Franklin County for Jesus Christ, they are doing that independent of their pastor. It's sanctioned by Rocky Mount Baptist Church, but I'm not the one doing it. What I'm saying to you is that God has a strong hand in what has been going on here, and I believe that God has great plans for what's about to come ahead. And the growth of the church has never been dependent upon a specific personality, but as we mentioned earlier in the service, the growth and the power of the church comes from individual believers yielding control of their lives to the power of God. That way ministry is decentralized and it will continue. I pray, as Lee said earlier, pull together as a group, love each other, encourage each other, and reach out to people who need Jesus Christ. And um, on Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, we're going to try with a few remaining moments that we have today, which you guys have learned with over, over five and a half years with me, that's a meaningless statement, with a few remaining moments that we have. But with that being said, with a few remaining moments that we have, we're going to try to take a look at a passage of Scripture that we briefly glanced at on Wednesday night, and the Lord just brought me back to this and say this is not just for our Wednesday night prayer groups, but this is also for our entire faith family. So if you have your Bibles, I'll be reading Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and courageous and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a powerful passage of Scripture. And I want to say very clearly that in our discussion with this passage this morning, I'm not comparing myself to Moses. Alright? 
Let's just get, out, to get that out there. What we're going to look at is how God used one transition from one leader to another. And I want to try to get across this idea this morning. And that God's power does not rest upon a particular style of communication or a particular style of leadership. But God's power is available to every single one of His believers, every single one of His followers that is willing to obey Him out of faith. The power of God is available to every single believer who is willing to obey God out of faith. And you notice what we just read here. It's all these ideas of God's power and courage and obedience. So here's the way it begins. We just read it. Moses is dead. That's an interesting way to begin a book. Right? Funeral. Moses dies, and guess what Joshua had to do? Joshua had to step up. Notice what the passage says. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 2. Now therefore arise, and then it begins from there. God says, I've got something for you to do. You see, immediately after Moses wasn't there, God said, Joshua, I've got something for you to do. And it wasn't small. It was to bring the entire nation of Israel across a river and to take over a certain area of land. And notice in verse 3, God says that just as I promised Moses. You see, what God is telling Joshua, he says, you know what? I did great things through Moses, but the same promises apply to you. You see, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is promised to all believers. Now we know this, God can use certain personalities. True? God has given some people the gift of communication. He's given some people the gift of mercy. Like some people, if they go in to deal with someone who's grieving, they just make it worse. They do. Some people, they love Jesus, they're serving Him, but it's like, don't put them on the benevolence team. Just just keep them away. Then there's some people and they can go into a situation to where someone's lost. I mean, even lost someone super close to them and they can go in and it's not awkward. It's not strange. God has just supernaturally gifted them to be able to give the spiritual gift of mercy. So what we're saying is that we know from scripture and we know from experience that God can use certain communication styles. But listen, the power of the gospel and the power of the church has never been in a particular style of communication. It has been in the power of God available to believers. Now, can you imagine what Joshua was feeling? I mean, imagine if you're Moses' assistant. Even if you don't know how to assist, you're like, Moses has got it. Again, I'm not comparing myself to Moses, but let's just go here. If God has chosen to bless a particular church and there have been people in the community to respond to a particular style of leadership and that leadership transitions out of the picture, there can sometimes be fear that comes into the picture. Remember when I was a kid, we'd go on a trip. Dad was there. I didn't really worry about the oil change. I didn't. I didn't worry about the tires being inflated because, because dad's got that. 
And I don't want to assume things here, but often in a church that grows, people say, well, the, the, the pastor is in, in the, the role of leadership, so there's some type of security there. there there's, there's a buffer. And then when that's removed out of the way, what often happens, and by the way, this happened to Joshua as well, the negative Nancys start coming out of the closet. Have you ever talked to a negative Nancy? And by the way, if your name is Nancy and you're positive, we love you. All right, and then there's like Dan the Downer. In our context, this is what, this is what they'll say. Well, the church is just going to go backwards. That's when you can kind of just do the... And just say, and, and I had a, a short conversation the other week and someone said that, I said, I do not agree with that. I do not agree with that. And listen, if someone says that, what it means, okay, these past five and a half years that we've had together is that they have completely missed the whole thing. Completely. They may have been here. They may give. They may serve. They may sing. They may teach. But if they say something like that, they have completely missed the entire thing. They have been looking at a forest and says, I see something green. Like that's a tree. That's a bird that completely missed it. And here's the reason why none of this should have worked at all. I think we'll have to bring down that mic. It's, it's pretty hot. The reason why it shouldn't have worked at all is because Rocky Mount Baptist Church had had a tradition of theological liberalism. It means that there are errors in the Bible that cannot be reconciled. You guys know me well enough that that's not my position. To put it mildly. It was probably, if you looked at Rocky Mount Baptist Church from the outside, you'd say, this, I'll give it six to eight months. Because of the style differences that the church had been used to for many, many years. Other people would say, you know what, I'll give it nine to ten months, but once he starts bringing in different music, that's going to hit the fan. True? Like, that's the way it rolls in the dead church world. Because a lot of churches want a chaplain, they don't want a pastor. Someone to come and preach. And by the way, once we started going over noon, <laughs> y'all know, right? You say, well, well, well I'm going to talk to that guy in heaven when I get there, the guy who said we're supposed to end at noon. He's probably not going to be there. I'll let you fill in the blanks. And then, oh my Lord, we're having prisoners on the church campus. Has this church lost its ever-loving mind? And then, oh my word, to invite them to church? Like it's one thing to have them cordoned off with police officers on a Wednesday night in a fellowship hall, but to tell them genuinely from the, from the church family, not just the pastor, we want to have you and your families come to church, tighten that tie and say, we don't want that kind here. And you know that's what people on the outside would look in, but guess what? Many other things, and we'll go into this next, next week to praise the Lord for what we've seen here that's called the power of the gospel. Okay? Not just to handle, handle it and see if we can hold on a little bit longer and not close the church, but to have one, just so you know, someone with my style and my beliefs about the Bible to come into a situation 
Even our website said we believe that the Bible's a record of the Word of God, which means it's not fully the Word of God. That's on the, on the website. When I came, here, aquí, en español. All of that was the perfect, that was awesome, <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. You see, what, what I'm trying to communicate is there was, there was every little piece that you could put to build this massive thing called church explosion and the pastor gets fired. And maybe even he gets beheaded and mounted in a back room. That was too far. What I'm trying to communicate is it's not the style of communication. It's not the style of music. It's the power of the gospel to say, what are we here for? That this book is true. The God that it speaks of is there. The Jesus that it references actually literally rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And if you repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he can save you no matter who you are. And it is coming back to going old school, old school, old school. Before 1950s, old school was actually new school. Are you tracking? All that you've seen here at Rocky Mount Baptist Church, you've seen things come from the gospel. But what I'm saying is coming back to what's called orthodoxy. Which, what is Christianity? Christianity is that we are radically lost. And there's nothing that any of us could do ever to be good people. To save ourselves. The Christian gospel, true biblical Christianity, says that Jesus seeks out sinners. He actually seeks them out. Night vision. He knows where they are and he begins to draw them to himself to be saved. And so what you've seen at Rocky Mount Baptist Church is simply to come back to the book. And when a group of people, old, young, and by the way, that is so cool. The, the, the different ages in Rocky Mount Baptist Church... I mean, seriously, this is not supposed to happen. You, you know what's supposed to happen? Is you're supposed to have closed gossip. I mean, communication meetings. To where the seniors get together and talk about the new types of music. And then the young people get over here and say, I can't stand those old people. They're just old stick in the muds. But guess what we see here? We see the old, the young, and the in-between working together. And the kids interrupting the service the whole time. Yeah. You see, that's the gospel. That's, that's, that's not a particular style of communication. And listen, when a church gets around the gospel things begin to happen. Thought patterns begin to change. Like, can you imagine being Joshua and being under that type of leadership that Jeff Robinson could never even compare to? Following Moses, even being close to Moses, and God says, you know what? I am with you. He says, I am with you every step of the way. When people gather around the gospel, things begin to happen because thought patterns begin to change, such as Jeff Robinson, where would you be without Christ? Theologically, if I'm looking at the Bible and actually believing what it's, see, what it's teaching, I'm going to come to this conclusion. If it were not for the mercy of God, I would have already died by my own stupidity or by God's direct hand, and I would have already been in hell long ago. So not only is my next breath from God, it is the mercy of God, 
but I'm no better than anyone else. Morally, spiritually, it is by the grace of God that he opened my eyes to what I was and he's the one who gave me a new heart. So when I see somebody who's from a different socioeconomic background, we are still level at the foot of the cross. Man, and it's so amazing here to see people that, you, I, don't know, I don't look at what they make, but they own businesses. You're like, you got to do well. And then people that are just starting over, but we're gathering together because we serve one God and his name is Jesus. And when that begins to take hold, there is a collective humility that begins to float throughout the church members to say, you know what? God has given us our jobs for him. He's given me my precious child. If one I've been told we're going to lose a lot of sleep in about a couple of months, right? He, he's given me my wife or my husband. That some of you say they've taught me more about patience than anything, right? Like he's given me all of this and he's given me some, even some disposable income that I can use for, for fun and use that missionally or give it to a mission trip. Go on a mission trip. God, you've given so much to me that it's not just you've given me a job and a family, but you've given me something to work with for your kingdom. And if you're single, don't listen to all the crazy stuff that you say. And for the people in Rocky Mount Baptist Church that feel they're called to set up singles, I apologize for them. That God has given you this period of time in your life that you can serve Jesus completely unhindered. You see, the, the mindset begins to change, and we even see that with Joshua. He saw God do great things through Moses, but God said, I'm going to do even greater things because Joshua brought them across the river. And for some, they say, well, Jeff, what, were, what was Joshua and the people, what, what were they doing before this? You know what their occupation was? Slaves. It's one thing to be an American to struggle with a little bit of self-esteem. But it's another thing altogether to be in the ancient Near East and you were an ethnic slave of the most powerful empire on the planet. To whether you had no dignity at all to the point that there was not too far in their distant past. If you had given birth to a son, the government would take that son and commit infanticide and throw the child into the Nile River. No rights, completely under the bottom part of the boot of Pharaoh. And it hadn't been that long ago. And then God calls Joshua, one of these guys who was raised in that type of a culture, and says, I'm going to call you to do great things. Let me just stop here and say just for a moment, if our transition to a different assignment in Florida could be used by God for many of you, and you've been sitting and you've been learning, and you say, man, Jeff, this whole thing is new to me, but I really believe God is calling me to step up and do something great. It very well could be that one of the things that God brings out from this is with Jeff Robinson no longer being in the picture, dozens of you just step up. Come on! To say, you know what? Hey, we've enjoyed this, this time together and we, it's been awesome to see what God has done, but it's time for me to really step up and make a difference for Jesus Christ. And I know there's the question to say, well, Jeff, is it even biblical for a pastor to move? And that's a great question if you've had that question. And I've thought about that long and hard. And for a pastor to move for a bad reason, um, there is no justification for that. And again, I mentioned this last week that it's been so difficult to make this decision because we love you guys so incredibly much. 
hand on a Bible. That's what's made it so difficult. There's a lot of pastors that get mad at their churches. A lot of churches get mad at their pastors. And what usually happens in church is when there's a transition, it's because there's been drama that's come before that. We communicating? It's not been the case here. And often pastors say, well, there's, the grass is a little bit greener on that side of the fence because those people are not like, and I'm like, bro, your stuff stinks too. <laughs> that was too much again. <laughs> it's not a search for bigger and better, not to leave for the wrong reasons, but when you look at the Bible, God's people were for the most part a very transient group to the point that God told his people in the Old Testament that when you have a home, you have a tent because you've got to be ready to move. In fact, they were called sojourners because this world is not our home. And if God has chosen you to live, to be born, to live, to retire, and to die in Franklin County, Virginia, praise God for that. What an incredible place to live, by the way. When it's such a nice town that even bears can walk into the hospital and expect treatment. <laughs> and if you're not from this area, ask somebody. And the reason why is he just couldn't bear his sickness anymore. <laughs> Another couple weeks, you guys won't have to worry about that anymore. Even to the point that when you read the book of James in, in verse 1, it talks about those who were the, of the diaspora persecution hit the Jewish believers in that central area in Jerusalem had to flee to areas of the Roman Empire what, what I'm trying to say this morning is that often with God's people Old Testament New Testament and even today it is a transient sort of lifestyle to be ready to go to the next place and now notice in verses five and six as well it says no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life just as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not leave you or forsake you. By the way, that is what Jesus has promised to us as New Testament believers. I will not leave you or forsake you. And so the question here for Rocky Mount Baptist Church is, where does our confidence come from? God has blessed Rocky Mount Baptist Church financially so that we were at the point of looking for a family and student minister. We have workers Various ministries, there are many pastors that I've heard that say, we just can't get anybody to do anything. That's not the case here. Thank you guys for serving. We have an incredible care and encouragement ministry where they write cards to people, many people who live out of state. They're young families with children, quality children's ministry in the nurseries where our organizers are incredibly organized. By the way, I don't know if they want to do this or not, but they can make a lot of money offering organizational services. For those of you who don't know what organization is, just spend 30 minutes with them. You'll have your life right in shape. All right? And they're using their spiritual gift for the glory of God. We have student ministry. This past summer, our students went to Richmond to serve a church that had been planted to minister to the homeless. Biblical deacons ministry. But is that where our confidence comes from? You know, often in church life, when people are asked the question, how are things going in your church? And it's very easy for some of us to look at the blessings that God has given as a result of hearts being changed and say, we're okay because of the finances. 
or we're okay because we have these key people in these key roles. We've, we've got a fantastic worship team leader from Liberty University. True? But you see, our confidence comes from God. And Joshua's confidence didn't come from the fact that he was leading around two million people. There's no shortage of muscle in that group. None. They were able to take towns. They, they, had, they had escaped from the greatest army in the world at that time. But his confidence didn't come from that. His confidence came from God saying, I will be with you. And I'm glad that Joshua did not just say, well, you see, God, over on the other side of the river, we took out Og, king of Bashan. We took out, I mean, all of these military things that Moses did. Those, those were the good days. Those were the times where you were really active. And I just want to encourage you guys this morning to say we praise God for what he's done, but who's to say he can't do greater things in the future? I had a conversation early on in this process with a professor that I've stayed in touch with for many years, and he said, Jeff, it's been really neat to hear what the Lord's done at Rocky Mount Baptist Church over these past few years, because we would stay in touch. He said, he's, he's very plain spoken, and I love that. He said, but you could very well be the one holding it back. I didn't just take with that alone and run and cash it and put it into the bank. But I said, you know what, that is true. That just because we've seen, you know, several dozen people saved in this period of time or whatever it may be, who's to say that God couldn't just come and completely blow this place up? I mean, with people being saved and families coming back together, moms and dads confessing and their children seeing the gospel model in their home, who's to say that the greatest days are not ahead? You see, for many churches, there's the glory days, and often those are times in the past, but I pray that in, for Rocky Mount Baptist Church in these weeks and months ahead during this transition, you say, you know what? We know that we serve a powerful God because of what we've seen him do beyond, of what, we, beyond what we see in the scripture. But guess what? We have faith that he can do greater things. Do you believe that? I mean, do, do we really believe that, that God can do greater things? And for some, your, your church background has just been dead. It's not your fault. It's not. It's the fault of pastors who have repeatedly and consistently and methodologically diluted the Bible so that when you show up at church on Sunday morning, it is lacking the power of God. And we don't have time to get into this, but Virginia specifically is filled with, check this, Baptist churches to where long ago the pastors have decided that this is not fully the word of God. So the way that works out practically is that what you hear is just be a good person. Three points in a poem. Chicken soup for the soul. Five ways to be a good neighbor to your neighbor and cut their grass. Stuff that really doesn't call for any type of commitment and is not historic Christianity. I pray that for those of you, and that has been your church experience, you've been saved. You went to church out of a duty to Jesus Christ, but you never thought you could actually see people get saved. I mean, for some, you say, Jeff, I went to church for years, and the only thing that happened in the baptistry was that's where lizards go to die. I 
I hope and pray that what you've been able to see God do is normal. Because when the gospel is preached and when we love people and they may be different from us, when we love them when we reach out and they respond to the gospel and they see the love that God has given them through you, their hearts are changed. And people who have been to church for decades, they're able to say, you know what? Back when I was six years old, I went to vacation Bible school and my teacher didn't go to a liberal seminary to where they were told that the Bible's not completely true. They simply said that Jesus saved sinners. And I believed, and I got saved. And for most of your adult life, you've heard what is not the Scripture. I pray that some of you, this may be your fourth quarter in life, that God has shown you that the gospel still works. It is not a style of music or communication. It is the content of the Word of God. And His Spirit that takes that and takes a lost man and woman and brings them to faith in Jesus Christ. Notice how how the Lord brings these promises to bear on Joshua's life again. You see, Joshua, there, you could, specifically verses 5 and 6, you could say that Joshua's courage, his courage found its source in God's promise rather than his experience. Not only that, Joshua's courage found its source in valuing and continually obeying what God had already said. Notice verse Number eight, it says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. What has God already said? That's a good question. Maybe you're a regular attender and God has opened your heart to the gospel. You say, Jeff, for the first time, I'm really thinking about this stuff. The direction of my life and the direction of my family's life. What has Jesus already said the church is to do? The church is to make disciples of all nations. Amen? If Rocky Mount Baptist Church says, you know what? There are certain things that may be on the table, how we do things, but missions, evangelism, and the preaching of the Bible, those are never on the table. And we say, you know what, these are not just things that we do. These are not just line items in a budget, but these things are who we are. They are the lifeblood of the church. And guess what often happens in church life? Now, those of you, if you're not from a church background, this may blow your mind. But it is possible in some circles that Christians can be jealous of other Christians' churches. And you know what happens sometimes when God chooses to bless a church? There are other churches that say things like, well, let's just see what happens. You know what a skeptic would say? A skeptic would look and say, well, they have a leader who fits these criteria. If that leader steps out of the picture for whatever reason, let's see then what the church is really based on. You know what I bet? I bet that church is just going to go down. I bet people are going to leave. I bet their, their budget's going to drop. We'll see what Rocky Mount Baptist Church is made out of in these next few months. Do you know what would be a boot kick in the teeth of Satan? Is that Rocky Mount Baptist Church says, you know what, we're not just going to be another dead church. We're not going back. Heck to the no. We are not going back. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be like Joshua. 
I've served along great, there's so much great leadership in this church. But you know what? I'm going to step up for the first time and say, you know what, God, what do you want me to do? If God's leading you to be biblically baptized, when we give this invitation, man, come on. We'll set up a time to baptize you. If God's leading you to reach out to somebody that you know that's without God, for some it may mean getting saved and beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time, getting really honed in with who he is. You know what would be really cool is if Rocky Mount Baptist Church says together, you know what, not only are we not going to stop giving so that we can do ministry here, we're going to up our giving. Watch out! Because here's what happens in most churches. Guess what happens when there's a transition of pastors? Attendance drops, budgets drops. Most of the time, that's because they get a retired pastor who's lost his gas 20 years ago. I don't mean this disrespectfully at all. And again, this is some of the stuff that I've talked with our leadership. They get someone who's simply recycling sermons that weren't good to begin with. Again, no disrespect. And they come up on Sunday morning, the power and the fire of God is a million miles away, and they read a manuscript about who knows what the heck is going on for 22 minutes, and that's it. And churches wonder why there's a drop. Just so you guys know, the first month after we'll transition out is absolutely power-packed. Like, you need to be here in May, bro. I'm not even kidding. I'm going to tap into the podcast and listen to it. But one way that you can show Franklin County that Jesus is real and that this thing is not preacher dependent is you continue to come, you continue to give to missions, you give to the budget, and not only that, this is crazy, you actually invite your friends to come to church when you don't have a regular pastor. Whoa! Because what they'll see is that it's not all about Jeff. It's not all about a particular style. And it is a powerful apologetic, it is a powerful answer to a lost world that Jesus is Lord. And so the question of our message today is where do we go from here? Let me tell you straight up. Where we go from here is we continue on the old school mission that Jesus has set up for us long ago. Pastor visions, ideas, those, those can all be good. Church organization can be helpful. But the way we see a church truly thrive is we say, what has Jesus said we are? And we are a missional people. And our saving does not come from me. It doesn't come from any of our leaders here. We are saved by Jesus Christ. And for that I'm glad, because if I was in the business of saving people, there would be some screwed up saved people. 